content contained in the following Inclusive Head podcast is provided only for educational and informational purposes. Copying, selling, distributing, storing, or any similar action with the content from the Inclusive Ed podcast is expressly prohibited without prior written permission from Quality Schools International Foundation. For permission or further information, please contact a QSI Learning Support Coordinator. Welcome to Inclusive Ed, a podcast for educators who are looking to support all the students in their classroom, including those with learning differences. The QSI Regional Learning Support Coordinators, Elizabeth, Danielle, and Kareem are your hosts. We hope you find the following interview helpful and relevant to your classroom. It's time to get started. Let's hear from our expert guest for the month. Welcome to the Inclusive Ed Podcast with our guest, Amanda Frank. This is episode one in a four-part behavior series. Today's focus is on functions of behavior. Today, we're excited to welcome Amanda Frank to the Inclusive Ed Podcast, who is a board-certified behavioral analyst with a career spanning over 15 years in the fields of applied behavioral analysis, ABA, and inclusive education. Amanda has dedicated her educational journey to understanding the intricacies of human development and learning. In addition to advanced degrees in child and adolescent development, teaching, and applied behavioral analysis, She has also completed additional master's coursework in inclusive leadership, which is a testament to her desire to create environments that embrace diversity and promote inclusivity. Amanda's professional experiences have led her to contribute her expertise in New Jersey, Los Angeles, Boston, Ecuador, and Bulgaria. Over the years, Amanda has provided support to individuals aged two to 22, both in home and school settings, Her commitment to collaboration and advocacy has continued in her role as one of the founding members of Senia Bulgaria. Serving as a co-chair, she has played an integral part in fostering a community that champions the rights and well-being of individuals with diverse needs throughout Bulgaria. Currently, Amanda serves as the pre-K-12 behavior and intensive support specialist at the Anglo-American School in Sofia in Sofia, Bulgaria. There, she works to create a nurturing and empowering environment that supports students' behavioral and educational needs. Amanda also dedicates time to enhancing professional development and educational opportunities for educators and families alike. Recognizing the significance of identifying, addressing, and supporting behavior needs, she has passionately shared her insights and expertise with the aim of empowering others to make a meaningful difference in the lives of those they serve. Thank you for joining us today, Amanda. Thank you for having me. Amanda, could you please start out with how you ended up where you are today in education and what you love most about it? Yes. Um, so a year long ago and far away, um, I began in mostly in-home services, actually. Um, I worked with a company that was providing ABA support. Um, I kind of fell into it by accident. I needed a job. It sounded awesome. So I took it. Um, and with this company, I started out as just a behavior therapist I worked in home um, and gradually kind of moved into school settings a little bit. Um, And then when I, later on, I moved to Ecuador and where I was offered a job as a learning support specialist to kind of shift my role a little bit from in home to in school, um, which I found I really loved because I felt like the piece I was missing was kind of that community piece. 
Um, and so I started with that. And then now, you know, fast forward a couple of years, um, I've continued in learning support, but kind of pulled back in the behavior piece um, of what I was doing. And now here I am in Bulgaria. Thank you so much, Amanda. Um, so as we begin our podcast series, which is way cool, we're having a series on behavior, we wanted to start with this episode with the focus on the function of behavior. Can you explain what is meant when we hear function of behavior? Yes, absolutely. Um, so when we talk about the function of the behavior, we're really talking about the root cause of the behavior. Behavior is always a form of communication um, and it's often just expressing a need that's maybe unmet or isn't being met just in that moment. Um, so again, when we are with looking at behavior, our first thought is to always comment on just what we're seeing. But the reality is behavior is rooted a lot deeper than that. Um, we have to often find what is actually triggering this behavior. Um, for example, like the behavior that we're seeing could be kicking, but it could be for a few different reasons. It could be to for a lack of verbal communication. It could be to express frustration or distrust or something like that. Um, it could be a lot of things. So when we're talking about the function, we always have to look at the root. Um, think of behavior as a plant. Whereas the leaves and the flowers are what get our first attention, but the reality is it's the roots that are the part that really determine the success of the plant. And that's what we have to get at with function. I, I like that analogy of the plant, you know, because yeah, we see the flowers, we see the, the leaves, um, but we have to get to those roots to really understand what's going on. Exactly. So- and with that, because I've also heard primary functions. So what are the primary functions of behavior? Um, a good way to um, remember this is sometimes we use the acronym take a seat or everybody eats. Um, they There is attention seeking would be one. Um, I technically, I usually like to um, refer to this more as connection seeking because it's often that there is a need that's not being met in terms of communication or connection with others, whether it be socially, um, at school, with home. Um, so attention or connection is one, um, escape or avoidance. It, this could be to escape a task, to escape a person, um, to remove an undesired um, event or a stimulus. Um, another one would be access or tangible. So trying to access something. Again, this could be something as simple and concrete as they want a toy. Someone wants a toy, you want a snack, you want something physical that you can hold or something tangible. It could also be access to a person. Um, you know, it could be access to a nap. It could be access to something that you want that you don't have in your possession at the moment. Um, we also look at sensory reinforcement. The sensory could be a function. Sometimes you'll hear this as automatic reinforcement, um, which basically means it feels good to do the behavior. It is soothing. It is relieving to engage in this behavior. Um, I feel like a really good example is people, if you bite your nails, if you twirl your hair, um, shaking your leg, playing with a pen cap, doodling, these are all things that kind of are regulatory. Um, we don't think of them often as sensory seeking behaviors, but that's because they're kind of part of the norm. They're part of what we see everybody do. Um, but these are all fall under that category of it's self-soothing. You get reinforcement just by engaging in it. Um, so those would, those would be the four functions that we're often talking about. And I would say, you know, you never want to say a hundred percent of the time, but 99.999, they will fall within these, um, four categories. 
That's awesome. Thank you. And I like I like those um those examples, right? Take a seat. Are we or and my favorite, everybody eats. Um so in in going with that, you know, why with these these functions of behavior, why is it so important that we figure out the function or the root cause of behavior rather than focused on what we see on the surface? Because you know, when, when we have kids with maladaptive behavior, such as kicking or hitting, that hurts. Exactly. Um, and I think, you know, in theory, it'd be great that if a kid is kicking, we just want to stop them from kicking and that's it. We just, well, they have to just stop kicking. That's it. But it's important to know the function because again, you know, the kicking could be, well, this child, you know, maybe he does just want somebody to move over. So he's kicking them out of the way but maybe he's lacking the verbal communication to express that in a more appropriate way. Um, if the kicking is just for, maybe it's a sensory need, maybe it's that pressure that they really, that they like, they, they like the feeling of pushing their legs against something, that behavior would be handled in a different way. Um, so it's really important to do that because to, to understand the function, because you want to make sure you're addressing the actual need. Like for example, if a student is kicking because they want to say something, we would work on teaching them how to express that, how to say, hey, can you just move over? Hey, I need more space. Would you mind giving me a little bit more space or something like that? If the kicking is for a, more of a sensory need that the pressure that they want, um, we would find alternative ways for them to get that sensation without it being on a person. So it would be maybe they're pushing their feet against a wall. Maybe they um, have a beanbag chair that they can kind of kick their feet on and it wouldn't hurt anybody. Um, we always want to make sure that we offer a replacement to the behavior because otherwise it's probably going to pop up, um, you know, a lot stronger or more colorful in another way. Um, so if we can kind of address the function that will help, because if it was a child who was kicking because they want to have something to push on, teaching them to ask somebody to move over won't do anything. They That won't get rid of the kicking. Um, so it's just always really important that we are addressing the need and that we're always asking ourselves, what is this person trying to communicate by this behavior? Um, so you'll see a lot of behaviors that look the same, but then when you get to the root of it, they're often always, always a little bit different, even if it's just by a smidgen, but every kid is different. Every adult's different. So we have to address their behaviors um, differently. Thank you. That's awesome. Um and so with that, how would then teachers or parents determine the function of their, their student or their child's behavior? Okay. Um, great question. Um, I think what the short and sweet answer, what I, what I love to drill in is just data, data, data. Um, we all need lots of data. We need to kind of observe the behavior. We need to see what's happening. Um, but there's ways to take this data. There's ways to do this. Again, the best way is just to observe, to watch, to see what's going on and not just watch the instance of kicking um, or the instance of maybe yelling, whatever the maladaptive behavior is, but we always wanna be looking at what's happening right before. Um, so what environment is maybe setting this person up for this behavior? And then we also wanna look at what happens after. Um, we often will just, use the word consequence. And I think for a lot of us that immediately thinks, okay, what punishment was this a child given? Um, what, you know, what, how did they handle this? And that's not always the case. Um, with consequence, we're just looking at what happened after the behavior. So for example, if um, a student is calling out in class, they're calling out, they keep calling out, they keep calling out. If the consequence is that the teacher still calls, still accepts the response, still calls on them and lets them speak, 
their behaviors being reinforced by the teacher always responding when they call out. Um, was the student redirected to raise their hand and they're still not following it? Okay, that could be something a little bit different. Um, also environment always plays a huge piece that I think we forget. Um, as humans, we're definitely products of our environment. Um, we respond to the environment. We're the, some of the most adaptable creatures on earth for better or worse. Um, so you have to kind of look at what's setting up this behavior, what is kind of allowing it um, to, to take place. Um, with that big chunk of information, and there's ways that um, you can take data on that that we can talk about. Um, but with that information, you can often get just a lot of it. You can kind of see the full picture and really start to guess on the function. Um, again, not surefire. Sometimes you'll think it's this, you'll try something, won't work. But again, that still eliminates, eliminates one, if anything. Um, so it's always really, really important to kind of get this function. You also want to maybe have other people get their opinions. You want to talk to other people, see what it's like in different environments, see what's happening. Um, it's important to kind of make sure you're checking all your all the boxes and not just, okay, I'm going to go observe this child from 8.30 to 9 every day and that's it. You know, you want to see, does the time of day make a difference? Does the group of students they're with make a difference? Does the weather, um, you know, if it's, is it really hot in this classroom? Is it really cold? Is it really loud? Um, you know, is there a lot of space? Um, is there flexible seating? Is there not? So you have to really look at the big picture with any behavior, even if it's something as simple as someone says, oh, well, they're kicking during morning meeting. Um, you have to, you have to still go in and really look at, um, at everything with that. Would you be willing to share with us a suggestion for what teachers could read, watch, or listen to in order to learn more about the functions of behavior? Um, okay, in terms of resources, there's a lot of, you know, depending on what you're looking for, I feel like behavior is just such a big umbrella. Um, so a lot of these resources will have stuff on function, um, but also other topics. Um, I feel like a main one, a very straightforward, there's um, a site or a blog we can call it called How to ABA. Um, and I feel like they break down functions of behavior really well. Um, they even kind of go into types of attention seeking or connection seeking behavior. Like, is it social? Is it something else? Um, you know, really breaking things down. And I feel like the language they use um, is very relatable. It's understandable. There's not too much jargon in there. Um, I think it's accessible to everybody. Um, Master ABA is another one that has something similar. Um, that, you know, you can, you know, obviously get a subscription and do bigger things, but they do have access to what are the functions of behavior really outlined well. Um, I know this might not be the norm for many, but I also think there's a lot of accounts on social media these days that have a lot of good quick information on this kind of thing. Um, and the reality, that's where I feel like a lot of people do get their information. Um, there's accounts to follow, such as navigating behavior change, behavior fi. Um, so if you're just looking for quick bits, visuals on this, I know for me, I'm a visual learner. So if I see like charts and anchor charts and graphs of these things, it's a lot better than if I'm just reading a blog. So for me, that's where I would go. Um, as I said, behavior fi, navigating behavior change. I feel like they have a lot of quick information. Um, and these are people who are BCBAs. They work in school and at home with parents, with teachers, with students, um, with adults. So it'll give a wide range. Um, of support. Um, one last one, there's this book that is called Beyond Behaviors, and it's by Mona Delahook. Um, I want to say that it isn't specifically focused on ABA and on like these specific functions of the behavior, but it talks a lot more about the deep-rooted where if it maybe isn't this, like where it talks about trauma or past experiences or a kid's schema, 
how that um, can influence their behavior. So for me, as someone who's, um, you know, obviously spent most of my time with ABA and the very scientific and structured um, format of ABA, it adds a little bit more, it kind of has that nice balance of where almost like counseling and ABA kind of come together. Um, and I think it was just a really nice extra resource as well. Thank you very much for joining us today, Amanda. We appreciated getting to hear from you about the functions of behavior. Stay tuned for the episode two. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inclusive Ed from the QSI Learning Support Team. Special thanks goes to our guests for taking time to share their knowledge, skills, and mindsets. We look forward to sharing our podcast next month. We will feature a new guest and hear all about another aspect of inclusive practices for students with learning support needs.